2: Welcome back fellow optimists, it's Sophia Tapia here, your host on the Future Positive podcast, a podcast from XPRIZE that aims to bring you the most future forward topics from the world's brightest minds. If you're new to Future Positive, in each episode you'll hear from world leaders, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, and change makers who are paving the way for innovation on and off this planet we call home. This week we bring you a peek into our intimate futures. We have contributions from some of our amazing staff here at XPRIZE on what intimacy means to them, how technology will aid our relationships, and what their ideal robot date would look like. Full disclosure, mine would be Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Later on, you will also hear an interview between journalist Amelia Abraham and our own AI encyclopedia, Nima So, sit tight, forward all your calls, and get ready for takeoff. We are well over a year into the lockdown caused by this pandemic, and our lives have changed inconceivably. Probably the biggest change, though, is our lack of intimacy with other people. And by intimacy, I mean it in the broadest sense of the word. But more on that later. The more people we haven't touched or been touched by in the past year, the more articles published telling us how it affects us psychologically, emotionally, and physically. Technology is adapting though, as it always has. The cell phone made communication with a distant loved one much easier. Algorithms and dating apps allow our future partner to get automatically shifted from the ghosters, the players, and the people with no table manners. Most recently, Zoom has become a verb which we all understand as a means to see the people we hold dear. Friends, family, lovers, work colleagues, all near and far. But what can technology offer us in the future? Will it ever be able to satisfy our own intimate needs? Will it even know what they are? To answer these questions, we polled a few of our XPRIZE staff and gathered their views to get a bit of a temperature check on all things intimate. First off, what actually is intimacy?
3: I've always found intimacy to be different than love and different from desire, but not absent of the two. Intimacy can be as simple as conversation between strangers or the complexities of a 30-year-old relationship.
4: (laughs) Intimacy to me is all about trust. It's about knowing someone deeply, but also knowing someone isn't necessarily enough because I can know a person well and not get along with them. I can see how they tick, how they act when they're under massive amounts of stress or when they're having a good time and still not be intimately connected with them. That's why to me intimacy comes down to trust and trust stems from vulnerability and owning your words and your actions and giving of yourself to the other person out of a place of caring rather than obligation.
1: The, I think that the pandemic has changed the way that I think about intimacy a little bit in that um, after a sustained period of not being intimate with anybody, um, I guess I feel more one, like maybe I needed less than I thought that I did. And then two, I feel, uh, a little trepidatious about getting back into dating and into the uh, experience of, of being close to somebody in that way and maybe more inclined to be selective about who I get involved with. Um, I think that people who were dating during the pandemic kind of had to ask themselves that question, like this person's this person's cute or, or I like this person, but are they, you know, worth maybe dying for.
5: To me, intimacy is the act of sharing oneself, thoughts, feelings, hopes, and even, yes, french fries sometimes with another person. Allowing yourself to trust and be vulnerable and have that reciprocated, that's true intimacy. The pandemic hasn't necessarily
4: changed how I think about intimacy, but it has changed how I acted out. I've been in a relationship for over six years now and when you're confined with someone, when your job has ramped up and they've just lost theirs, it brings a lot to the surface that may or may not have been dealt with just because of busyness or because everyday life got in the way. You know, when you're confined with someone, you have much more time for those conversations. You also have much more time for the ugliness to come up. And that's actually really amazing because when that ugliness comes up, you can deal with it. Because again, you're not distracted. You're stuck together. You deal with it. And I think conflict and resolution actually breeds intimacy. Intimacy to me is... Closeness, it's a mutual sense of
6: vulnerability uh, between two people. It's acceptance without judgment. Um, it's really just sort of like a feeling of being able to let your guard down and, you know, really be seen for who you are and vice versa.
3: Sex is a great stress reliever. <laughs> um, it can be fun and exciting when it's healthy and, you know, two people who are consenting to, you know, an experience that allows you to tap into parts of yourself that you you wouldn't otherwise.
2: So understanding that intimacy comes in many forms shows that there isn't really a one size fits all when it comes to our intimate needs. What is universal is our basic human need for physical connection. But can a touch from a robot actually replace that of a human?
4: In my opinion, the number one thing technology has done to improve relationships is communication. It's why we're all so glued to our phones. It's why Facebook took off like it did. Because finally my friends that live across the world or across the country or just not in the room with me, they can be in the room with me. You know, I can communicate with my boyfriend who's now across the country and that is amazing.
0: Whether it's to help us all during a pandemic or just from loneliness, I do think technology can help replace the human touch. In the same way the telephone replaced or replicated the human voice a hundred years ago, there could be a new device or avatar that could replicate what touch feels like for both parties. And just like the telephone, time and distance could be compressed, opening up more physical access to one another. I mean, imagine getting a hug from grandma or a kiss from a significant other from another continent It could be magical in the same way that hearing their voices must have been a century ago.
6: I've noticed people have been more open with each other. I think, you know, in times of fear uncertainty, and stress, I think, you know, everybody uh, has to sit with their thoughts more. And um, I think there's been more sharing and sort of less small talk, if that makes sense. Um, I think the pandemic's you know, change the way I I think about intimacy be, in that people are, um, you know, more willing to share uh, and be open in these times um, than not, uh, in my experience.
1: I think that technology can help when people are experiencing a loss of intimacy. Uh, I think if you look at the data, there's been a, a big surge, as you would expect, in um sex toy sales, and probably, I would imagine, also pornography usage. And you know, the intimacy that you have with a you know, a sex doll or a vibrator is strictly physical. I think that those, those sex toys can provide an experience that maybe a human can't provide.
5: I definitely don't think technology even comes close to replacing what human touch gives us. And that's knowing there's some really great tech out there and a whole lot of nightstands but it doesn't come close to the real thing. Sensory simulation is important. I think that tapping into your
3: pressure points, um, again, going back to the idea of intimacy, hugs, squeezes, hand-holding, that's all part of this sensory experience that you can share, um, particularly with other people. But I think technology can step in in a number of ways to replace that. Personally, for me, it's not an option because I wouldn't want to replace something that is so innately human, so innately important to human interactions or building and creating bonds with other people, especially partners, and it wouldn't be a replacement for me. I would say nothing can truly replace the touch of another human.
2: So let's move things forward and think about the future. How has technology helped improve relationships so far and how will it upgrade our intimate lives in 20, 30 years time? Could our future self ever imagine dating a sentient avatar or artificially intelligent robot? And if it did, what on earth would they look like?
3: I think technology has bridged gaps in communication, um, but I do think that it's impeded. on forming deep relationships with people. So I think there's this idea of um, we're allowed to have more relationships. If you look at online dating, if you examine Instagram or Twitter or all these social platforms where you can have connectivity with people that you otherwise wouldn't if the platform didn't exist. For one thing, you're actually communicating and speaking and
6: getting to know the person a bit more rather than trying to you know, rush through a date or, you know, be in a group of people, there's more one on one communication. uh, And you're able to communicate on your own time and in your own terms, you know, when you're texting with somebody versus having to get a call with somebody. I'm much more reliable uh, to give an answer or to respond when I can do that on my own time.
0: I don't know if technology has improved relationships but I know we've never before had as much access to them. With a smartphone, anyone can now swipe through potential matches from all over the planet, something we've never been able to do. So if soulmates exist, they've never been easier to find.
5: I do think technology in the future will continue to evolve and I hope enhance the ways we make connections with one another, breaking down barriers and distance. And I certainly look forward to the day they create a George Clooney robot I can have for my very own Mm, E.R. Clooney, not Midnight Sky Clooney. But until that time, I'll continue to search for my penguin on the dating apps, scrolling through faces and bits of information while I wait for the world to open up again and see if I know how to talk to anybody face-to-face anymore.
1: It would be funny to date an AI and then have all the same relationship problems. Uh, the idea of dating an AI and having a fight with it or having the... <laughs> Having like compatibility issues is interesting and funny, and if you think about when we've engaged the AI in other arenas, like having Gary Kasparov play against Deep Blue, the relationship version of that would be uh, funny, but could also be helpful. I feel like you'd spend less time, um, you know, going back and forth over what Netflix show to watch because the AI would um, probably be able to it'd be better predict what both of you would like, depending on how it was coded.
4: I personally could never date an avatar or an AI bot. I'm sorry. Maybe if I'd watched the movie Her, I'd be wooed like everyone else was by Scarlett Johansson and change my mind. But I don't think I could fall in love with something that was programmed to reciprocate. I need to know that I was chosen by that person, that they saw something in me that they vibed with, and they decided to stick it through. And same goes for that other person. Again, if it was a bot... There's no, there's no need to work through those hard things. There's, there aren't really hard things because you're they're programmed so that those don't exist. You know, I, I heard Elon Musk talking about um the way that Teslas are designed, and he said every input is error. Meaning, if you have to switch to, from you know automatically going to work at nine a.m. to the doctor's office the Tesla should know, you know, it should know your schedule. And so everything that you have to input into the, the maps on Tesla's, every input is error because it wants to know your routine so well that you never have to really even interface with it. It just guides you directly. And if you think about that in a relationship, I think for so many people that sounds ideal. Like I wish they just could read my mind. I wish they knew what to get for dinner and all this stuff. But a lot of the funniest conversations I've had has been around trying to figure out what to eat. You know, it's it's being confused about what someone said and then getting together and realizing that we played telephone and had to figure it out. So I think, yeah, I just could never date an AI bot.
6: I think that I would try it uh, just to see what it's like and just for my own curiosity to see how far technology can really... Uh, can really go uh, when it comes to um, dating. I think I would do it for the experience, uh, but I'm still a little skeptical on how seriously I could take it.
0: If I had to marry a robot, I think it would need to look human, which is actually a really interesting question. I mean, would the robots be custom? Like, could you build one to order like a pizza? (laughs) Or are there models to choose from? I bet the celebrity robots go really fast.
4: I guess I'd be okay if they looked like Brad Pitt, not gonna lie. It would definitely be a little weird though, knowing that I'd get old and gray and they wouldn't.
2: So it would seem that the future of intimacy is multi-layered. Part of it looks completely alien, but others look very familiar. To get some real insight from someone who works in the field of all things artificially intelligent, our friend of the pod, Journalist Amelia Abraham hooked up with Nima Datkaniku, the technical lead for the IBM Watson AI X Prize.
7: Hi, everyone. My name is Nima Datkaniku. I'm the technical lead for the IBM Watson AI X Prize. I work on all things AI here at X Prize, whether on uh, the AI X Prize or on many of our other prizes as well.
8: Thank you, Nima. It's so nice to be talking to you about this. So I guess I wanted to ask you, since you're an expert on AI, how is AI already playing a role in our love lives?
7: AI is everywhere. On your phone, on your laptop, uh, everywhere. Anything you can think of is essentially using AI. And, and dating is no exception. So if you ever use Tinder or Bumble, uh, they are using AI models and uh, data to determine who to show to you. And uh, you know what, what order and and how those matches should be made. If you are on dating websites like you know Match.com or OkCupid, again, they are using data and data science to kind of drive those matches and determine what who should find who. But as a even as a bigger concept, I, I think uh, AI and data is is driving our everyday lives. So who you meet, even in the real world, I think is affected by AI and, and data in and of itself. Uh, you know. Historically, we've met people at work, uh, we've met people at school, but school and work are changing now. So, so you know, where are you going to meet your future husband or wife? It, it even, even the way we live our lives is changing because of AI and data. So, so it's an interesting question. It, it's explicit and and in in, in ways uh, implicitly affecting us as well.
8: For sure, and the pandemic has changed the way we interact with each other and form bonds. Um, I wondered what some of the ways in which that's happened that you've noticed.
7: What's interesting to me about the pandemic is how much it has enhanced our appreciation for one another in the real world, Uh, at least for me personally, and I've talked to many people about this. uh, The pandemic lockdown has reduced everyone to a Zoom screen. So whether you are having a work meeting, talking with your family, uh, going on a date, Attending a conference, it's all the exact same screen. It's the exact same experience, tactile and, and otherwise. Uh, and that can have a very draining effect on your psyche. It kind of you know it, it dulls life. Uh, I had the, uh, the the joy of volunteering this past weekend at uh, Dodger Stadium to help vaccinate people. and just being out there and surrounded by human beings again, uh, seeing people in in flesh and, and kind of being able to be in a crowd, uh, of course, with social distancing and all that, it was exhilarating it, it kind of reminded us and me of just just how how much we took it for granted where we could actually see one another face to face and I, I think that's that 's going to be an interesting concept moving forward and as, as we all get vaccinated, hopefully. Uh, this kind of balance of yes we all want to work from home we all want to kind of take advantage of those uh luxuries that technology and ai kind of bring to us to be able to uh be separate from one another but i i think it will then enhance our enjoyment and appreciation of actually being together uh, whether it's sporting events or for a date or, th- or anything like that
8: totally i think we've become a lot more used to dating in the virtual realm for instance or forging relationships Uh, via technological platforms or via social media. We hear a lot of talk about how in the future, even more kind of extreme forms of intimacy, digital intimacy will become normal. So for instance, we hear a lot about uh, AI girlfriends or boyfriends or um, even sex robots. I I wonder, how soon do you think this will become a reality? Is it as far off as it sounds?
7: It's a classic sci-fi trope of, you know, dating a robot or, or having uh, in intimate relations with a robot, whether, whether actually, you know, physically or, or emotionally movies like her or ex-Machina of course explored this, this area. And uh, there, there are favorite movies of many a nerd uh, myself included. Um, the interesting thing about this though, is that at least in some aspects, maybe not the robot aspect, the physical robot aspect, uh, but from the virtual um, companion aspect, uh, we're, really close to that actually now. Um, if you look at things like deep uh, that technology can actually power, uh, avatars, uh, that can mimic human beings. So from an appearance standpoint, it can kind of look like, uh, someone who's real. We're getting very close to that. Uh, it's not indistinguishable yet, but it's getting there. And then from the language perspective, uh, things like GPT-3, uh, which are those language models that are trained on trillions of, of words and data sets and, uh, uh essentially all of human record of of human published record of any sort. uh, They've become very good at having conversations. They are really good at mimicking humans. So they don't understand us per se, but they can make a very strong guess as to what would sound correct theoretically uh, just from the historical record of what they're saying. So you can have a conversation with a GP3 bot essentially now. uh, And if that conversation is intimate, uh, it could do a decent job of uh, keeping up with you, of course occasionally it 'll slip up and sometimes it 'll go completely wrong uh, but i don 't think we 're that far away from having a virtual you know synthetic girlfriend or boyfriend um, that, i don 't think that i 't think that's uh, that could happen in the next few years uh, it won 't understand you again I, I do want to emphasize this it it, it will mimic a human being uh, it won 't actually be understanding and, and feeling emotions and things like that. Uh, but, but it will be able to mimic one uh, pretty well, very soon.
8: So really, we're not so far away. The question then becomes, will humans prefer this to human-to-human conversations or relationships, right?
7: That is the uh, $64,000 question. Uh, in Futurama, it was just a cartoon from the uh, you know, early 2000s. Uh, there was a running joke about, you know, never date robots essentially, that the robot would be such a perfect girlfriend or boyfriend uh, that, that the humanity would go extinct within a generation. Um, so, so it's an interesting concept to think about, whether if we start dating avatars or, or robots um, because they are, quote-unquote, programmed to please us, uh, whether that would um, make us only prefer to date robots, you know, the easy way out, if you will. Personally speaking, I don't think that's I don't think that's what humans want. Like I don't think we want subservient robots, you know, being yes men or yes women to us uh, on a twenty four seven basis. I think we want to be challenged. Uh, i think I think life has highs and lows, and I think relationships have highs and lows in and of themselves and 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 a part of being human is overcoming adversity, is earning respect, is earning trust um, those, those pieces are very important to us. And I'm sure, I'm sure robots will also be able to mimic that at some point. Um, you know, but that's a lot further away, uh, than, than say, uh, you know, just, just trying to uh, appease us. So it is a great question. And I wouldn't be surprised if 50 or a hundred years down the line as society, we do have to make this decision as to whether, you know, whether we should outlaw dating robots because it's having a negative impact on Fertility, or something like that. That might actually be a conversation that, that will be had by our children or our grandchildren at some point.
8: Yeah, there are many interesting questions there. I think another one is you know, will robot, robots be able to consent to dating humans? Or would robots or uh, AI systems rather date each other because they see us as inferior? <laughs> one day, all these questions might be relevant.
7: Yeah, the concept of consent the concept of uh, autonomy and, and um, whether robots are human is, is, a, is a central, again, this is a classic sci-fi question that's been asked by Asimov and many other sci-fi writers historically, uh, and I'm sure in the, in the future. Uh, it, it, is, it is an interesting question um, to ponder, uh, but I also wonder if it's a bit of a, not a waste of time, but almost taking your eye off the ball uh, and, you know, should we be instead discussing things about, you know, how AI is affecting us now, actual human beings, whether it's empowering us or whether it's hurting us, um, you know, we, we oftentimes talk about how AI is taking may potentially, you know, automate away our jobs, and whether we need to have universal basic income to, you know, make up for that. Uh, this is a, a common uh, discussion point among Silicon Valley, you know, elites. Uh, so, so what if Robots' intimacy then negatively affects our human intimacy. So, would would robots make us less human, or would you know would avatars make us less human? And would there ne- then need to be some sort of avatar tax or uh, robot tax to encourage intimacy or to make humans feel more human? Uh, those are those are some of the more interesting questions I ask, uh, and some of the things that may come up sooner than you know whether hu- robots have consciousness or whether robots have authority or autonomy or can give consent.
8: Completely. And you work on the AI X uh, which focuses on AI for good, that there isn't really a uh, finalist left in the running that focuses on dating or love or intimacy per se. But I did want to ask you, uh, how could AI play a role for good in our love lives or in our intimate lives, maybe in 10 or 20 years time? Uh,
7: you're correct in that none of the teams left are Focusing on dating per se. Um, in fact, uh, some of the teams earlier teams worked on you know creating AI brains or AI consciousness uh, or things like that. They quickly fell a, a aside because uh, the teams that were more practical essentially did better uh, throughout the competition. Because uh, again, those those innovations I think are ten or twenty years down the line uh, to be able to kind of get those real deep insights and then you know AI consciousness. Um, interestingly enough, one of our finalists does work in depression and, and I do think that you know mental health is an important part of intimacy and our love lives in and of themselves uh, we've seen this uh, as people are more stressed and are more uh, depressed uh, they simply date less and, and have less fulfilling uh, love lives uh, so one of our teams you know I think is addressing at least in, the, in a tangent way uh, to be able to kind of address that and I think in the short term that is the answer to how AI will improve our love lives it will be more about self-actualization, uh, our mental health, uh, making actual connections with other human beings. As we become more digitized, as we move towards a more you know, Zoom society, uh, we will have more and more of these issues with depression and loneliness and, you know, it's a, it's a problem that technology has caused. And I think it's a problem that technology should also try and solve, uh, whether that's through actually fostering new connections to other human beings, whether that's helping us work on our mental health so that when we do talk to people, we can connect better. Uh, those are some of the areas I think that AI can definitely help us uh, be more intimate as we move forward.
2: That was Nima Datganiku giving enlightened insight into the effect AI and other technology will have on the future of intimacy. Before we go though, there is one question we haven't answered yet. And that's, where do we actually see dating headed in the next 10 years? We'll start with Nima and play out with some more Prize staff insights.
7: If I want to get weird and wild about it, I think that uh, the, the newest innovation or the craziest innovation we'll have in 2030 is uh, avatars. So, so, so we'll have our own personas. So we've seen with people, uh, people do this online already, you know, in, in, a, in a game, in a virtual game, they will have their own persona. They will, have, they will look different. They will sound different. They will role play a different character. Uh, I wonder if by 2030 uh, with the advent of better uh, deep fakes and better uh, uh visual and audio technologies we can essentially in embody a different human being uh, and then date as that human being uh, we see this already with uh, places like twitch or youtube where there are uh, uh people role-playing as these synthetic characters uh, and will host a show for eight hours as a synthetic character uh, i wonder if the next innovation in that space will be essentially people start dating one another through these avatars through these these, these personas these online personas that are uh, potentially indistinguishable from human beings. Of course, then that will bring about its own concept of, you know, is it really catfishing if you're completely role-playing as someone different? Um, but but that that's one area that I think will be of interest as we move forward.
4: I think dating in 2030 will actually look fairly similar to how it looks today. I think the way people meet might look different. You know, innovations like Hinge and eHarmony and Match.com and all of those have definitely proven that that's true. People are meeting each other differently, which is amazing because so often people aren't surrounded by other people that they would date, you know. If if you're a nanny or something, you know, you're around kids all the time. Like where are you going to meet someone maybe at a bar, but then again, look at COVID, like I think it's it's impossible sometimes to meet people without those kinds of innovations. But I also think that when you get down to it, people will date for a night or they'll date for a partnership and the ways humans interact on an emotional level just won't alter that much. Desire for connection is hardwired into humans. I think it's just the avenue for those expressions that might look different.
0: I think in 10 or 20 years, maybe 30 years time, technology could improve intimacy or relationships in the same way that we're now suggested products when we shop online. A sophisticated AI could very easily examine our likes and our dislikes and how we behave, our values, and pair us with one or several matches. If finding a suitable mate is like looking for the proverbial needle in the haystack, then AI seems like a great way to shorten the time it takes to find a special someone.
2: Thanks for listening to this future positive podcast. If you'd like to support our show, share this episode with fellow futures friends and remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Your feedback really does help. If you want to know more about the IBM Watson AI XPRIZE, then head over to ai.xprize.org to find all the details you need. This podcast comes from XPRIZE, a global future positive movement of over one million people and rising, delivering radical breakthroughs for the benefit of humanity. Sign up to join us and support the movement that is making a change in the world 10 times faster. Whether it's lending a hand, a dollar, or an idea, we all have a role to play in making the future a better place. The only way to get the future we want is to create it ourselves. Learn more at XPRIZE.org. See you next week.